0: everybody and welcome to another episode of the roots rednecks and radicals podcast today we're going to learn something new and interesting in the world of americana roots and folk music but before we get to that i want to say a quick reminder to like follow and subscribe wherever you're listening to this and if you're on social media give me a follow if you haven't already i'm on instagram tiktok and facebook just search up the name of the show and you'll find me there all right let's get to today's episode all right, today's episode, I got a chance to speak with Amy Ray of the Indigo Girls. The Indigo Girls are one of America's greatest folk bands, and uh, Amy Ray and her band, they're coming through my area, playing a show up at Grass Valley, January 19th, and uh, I got a chance to speak with her about that show, her music, some of the collaborations she's done recently with artists like Brandi Carlisle, Allison Russell... Sarah Giroux, Sarah Watkins, and uh, we talked a little bit about the Indigo Girls and the Barbie movie as well, and just had a great conversation about music in general. So here you go. Here's my conversation with Amy Ray. I hope you enjoy it. All right. Well, um, I wanted to chat with you about uh, your, uh, your your two kind of most recent albums, um, but uh, I had an Indigo Girls question for you before we get started, if that's okay with you.
1: Okay. Yeah, Sure.
0: Okay, so I'm just really interested in, in this song, Closer to Fine, in that, the sense that it, over 30 years ago, it was it was a hit and kind of has been in the public consciousness for a long time. And now it's, it's kind of had this resurgence with young women with the Barbie movie and all that. And uh, I'm just kind of interested in what it's been like for you seeing younger people discover this song uh, for the first time as, as if it were new and, and just kind of that, that whole thing that's going on.
1: Well, it was definitely like a total surprise to have that happen and I mean we they had told us, you know, we might use the song in the trailer and, you know, got permission and made a deal and all that and we're not sure about the movie but you know we'll tell you as we go along kind of what it's gonna be used for. And that was sorta of the way the way it went down. We at first we didn't know what what to make of it, but Greta Gerwig is such a great director, you know, that we were just excited to be part of what she was doing. And then I get when we saw it was really the first time we knew kind of the function of the song and what it meant. And you know, we're just thrilled with it and everything. And it's been cool. It's been I mean, we definitely noticed right in the thick of all that when everything was when everybody was going to see the movie and, you know, obviously I mean, you could tell from, like, whatever, the news that a lot of people were out seeing it, and we noticed in our audience some more young people and people asking for the song and, you know, and and singing along, and that was really cute and interesting and and kind of just like a, it's one of those weird things where you can't really chase after it, it just happens and you're lucky, you know, and and it kind of reinvigorates some aspects of your career in a way, you know, that's kind of... Not totally quantifiable, it's just you can feel it, you know, it's palpable. So it's been really cool, and it's been cool to see, you know, another kind of generation of people. I mean, a lot of times at our shows, parents kind of had a tradition of bringing their kids anyway at some point. And now it's sort of even more. (laughs) So that's it's cool. It's very cool.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's such a rare thing to have a song like "Closer to Fine" that um that it is is just so popular. It's kind of like everybody knows it. Um, but to have that lightning strike twice, I was just like, that's that's such an incredible thing, man. That must be such a such a cool thing to experience.
1: Yeah, it's just it, it, we feel totally lucky, and you know, just I mean, we just feel lucky. I guess is the best way to put it. And it's been a real gift, you know, and. I mean, Emily wrote the song, and I'm always like, that song has really carried us (laughs) our whole career, really, you know. And we don't get tired of it, and we don't get tired of singing it. And we have guests, you know, every every show, our opener comes up and does it with us. And, you know, it's just fun because it kind of always changes according to who's singing it with us and what audience it is and all that. So it's been, it's a good, it's really fortunate to have it
0: that's awesome yeah it's a song for the people i love that that's cool All right. Well, I'd love to chat about um, your uh, your most recent um, record, If It All Goes South. And it had so many great collaborations on it. Um, and it also has this real sense of southernness. Like there's a real sense of place in the in the album and all the lyrics. Um, I, I didn't know what a Chuck Wills widow was or what Muscadine uh, was before I did the uh, um, the research for this. But um, I was just <laughs> wondering um, what was kind of the impulse behind doing a record with that much kind of um, southernness kind of imbued into it?
1: Well, I mean, my country stuff started back in 2014, and before that, I was doing kind of punk rock solo projects and rock and roll projects by myself, and it's always had, my solo stuff has always had a little bit more of the Southern references in it, just because it's more singular to me, and I'm from a long line of Southerners, generations you know, and then I started doing, writing country songs for like, and then doing this band that I'm in, which has been around for 10 years, the same band. Um, I just, you know, it was, it's just, it's just what's in me and it was, I started tackling things about the South that needed, for me, needed me inside myself, I needed to address as far as. You know racism and and kind of the flip side also of in a southerner and having and being kind of misunderstood sometimes and looked down on in some ways by the you know people that just make a lot of assumptions about all southerners and they don't realize you know the all the great activism and and movements that have started here and and just the great things you know that help to fight the bad things. So I just, you know, in my country stuff, I always lean towards talking about that. And I guess it's probably because of the nature of the writing and it's very personal to me. And I think with Indigo Girls, that's also personal, but I, you know, it tends to be a different style of writing because I'm, I'm thinking about Emily as I'm writing and how she would sing it with me and what that contribution would be. And so it just frames, it contextualizes it differently, so definitely in the country and just generally in the solo stuff, I tend to talk about, you know, like when I, in my sort of punk rock days, I really tackled my, you know, wrestling with my queerness and just kind of coming up through high school, homosexuality and kind of the punk rock sort of ethos of, of um, rebellion and everything and in the same way in my solo kind of country stuff i'm also doing something that's very personal which is looking at the south through the lens of someone who's you know very left wing and gay and and i live in a very rural conservative area and i love where i live and i love my neighbors and you know i'm just always learning to not judge people you know before i talk to them <laughs> And also respect where they're coming from, you know, and understand. Try to understand, and be, I guess more than that, just be curious about why do you feel this way, and what drives you to, you know, what drives your fear of, of people of other races, and you know, things like that. Like, and so in my solo stuff, I feel, I just feel like dealing with it, you know, and just talking on a more personal level. And and I like, you know, southern music of all types a lot and I have always felt really comfortable in that vein and that's always been sort of more my bit even in Indigo Girls I tended to write more from that perspective musically I mean you know so now I have a band that all of them really know a lot of different styles of like southern music and roots music and so it just you know we collaborate musically really well together and it just kind of naturally happens. I mean, they all come from other backgrounds, you know, jazz and rock and country and and metal. And, you know, my guitar player has played every kind of music there is. but, But essentially they have this affection the way I do for Southern music, you know, rock and traditional country and bluegrass and just like roots music.
0: Right, right. That's fantastic, yeah, that's interesting about the the punk rock thing because i was when I was listening to uh tear it down um that that's one of the thoughts that came to my mind I was like this this is punk rock, man, like this is like, <laughs> taking on some hard, hard issues, you know, and i I think that's awesome, yeah. Um, so yeah, so can yeah. we can we talk about uh, that song, that collaboration with Allison Russell? One, she's fantastic. Love her, um, love her voice, love her her songwriting and all that. But um, yeah, it's super introspective. It's a song about race relations in the South. And yeah, can, can you just tell us a little bit about that song?
1: Yeah, well, that song I wrote that song actually during the pandemic when a lot of the demonstrations and protests were going on, and I had gotten involved with a group called Project Say Something out of uh, Florence Alabama which is uh, by Muscle Shoals and they were they have a great group that was just had a history of working on dismantling racism and they were working on a specific issue around monuments at the courthouse in their little town and I got hooked up to that the activist that, that group Camille Bennett through a friend of mine and went to I had been going to like George Floyd to, you know marches and stuff in Atlanta and Black Lives Matter things and and then I started following them because they were doing you know multiple days in a row of demonstrations and sit-ins in this little town and it was quite amazing the strategy they had and so I started like really like following them and wrote this song really for them and then we went to, Emily and I went over to Alabama to do one of their protests with them and ended up playing as well. And that song sort of, kind of about them really. And I, and I put out a digital single of that with just me. And then when we were working on this record, which seven of these songs were brand new and they went to tape, live to tape. And then three of them had been songs we put out as a band during the pandemic that we did, you know, virtually together through emails and everybody's home studios. And Tear It Down was one of them, but I wanted to rework it because I was on a panel with Alison Russell about racism and just listening to what she was saying. And and she played, too, and I was like, oh, man, I want to have her sing this song uh, and do, like, a different version of it. So that's what happened is I just sent it to her, and we're friends, and and I just said, you know, would you feel comfortable singing this? Because some of it is, you know, from my perspective as a white <laughs> Southern kid, growing up and sort of having like a romanticized sort of love affair with the rebel rebel sort of flag and all the symbolism. I was really into that when I was young because I had no idea, you know, what it was about. And, and I had to really learn and I had to like, you know, pull myself away from that, you know, and, and kind of de demystify it in a way. And, but she, you know, she, she's had a very interesting life and experience with actually in a family that's mixed race, where she ended up being raised by people that were white nationalists. It's incredible, like her life. And so she was really perfect for this song. And um, yeah, so I sent it to her and she was out in LA and just kind of made it work and done. And, uh, and then we we put her vocal in there and transferred it back to tape and you know made a whole new mix and stuff. So I'm, I was really down and appreciated. I, I was down with her doing it. Just, appreciated it so much
0: yeah yeah that's fascinating I didn't know that part of her story that she was raised by white nationalists I'll have to do some research into that
1: oh yeah you should read her her like bio stuff because her life is like she's really got a very interesting perspective because of where she came from and how she was raised and you know how she ended up where she is and everything it's it's amazing yeah
0: that's cool I like that yeah. So, um, I wanted to talk about, uh, Chuck Will's widow as well, because I love the, uh, the kind of the metaphor of the song, right? Like it's a nocturnal bird that's singing at night and you really kind of play on that in the, in the lyrics and whatnot. Um, yeah. Could you just, just kind of tell us a little bit about that song?
1: Well, that's exactly what the song is about. You, you nailed it. <laughs> it's a metaphor. I mean, it is, a, it's this bird that in the South, and I think other parts of the U S too, it's pretty incessant and it's, a cousin sort of in 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 mythology to the the whippoorwill which is like whip for will and then chuck will's widow is the widow of will who got whipped it's like a weird connection that has some weird some like not not great connotations in history but um i've always been the whippoorwill and the chuck will's widow both seem at my and the Chuck Wills widow is very incessant, <laughs> and, it's, and it's very, uh, it's kind of a pining, teening, uh, that everybody associates with in the South Bend way with like this bird that just will not stop, and it's obviously missing somebody. Um, that's why it's called Chuck Wills widow. And I just am up all the time at night because um, I'm a night owl, and so I'm thinking about the pandemic and. I was just, you know, kind of feeling sorry for myself in a way. And even though I had it really good, so I, I was thinking about just kind of that idea that, like, the nighttime is when you really can, like, sing your laments to the stars and get outside and kind of, like, just kind of yell and scream and get your yaya's out in the middle of the woods. And that's kind of what I was thinking about, like a bird, you that and everything's kind of quiet enough for you to have all the things that you're thinking about mirrored back to you in a way that really makes you think you know and so I was just tackling my grumpiness and sort of trying to say hey you know this is everybody's going through different stuff in their lives and I'm just trying to reach out kind of beyond that and say you're not alone you know we all have these moments and we feel these things and the way you get over it is just to kind of sing your song you know and be yourself and and tell the world your troubles, you know, and sing the blues, basically, you know. So that's kind of what it what it was about. It's a very biographical, autobiographical song.
0: That's great, and that was done with uh, "I'm with Her," right? The um, yes. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. What was it like working so with we, them? So we did, we did a digital version of that as a single as well, but it was with I had like. A friend of mine, Michelle Malone, and this band, War and Treaty, do some harmonies on it, and it came out during the pandemic. But I really wanted to rework the whole thing. I wanted to do a version that was more grassroots, and I and I love vibe with her. And Sarah Jarosz was going to play mandolin on some of the record anyway, so I asked the band if they would if I could send them tracks, and they did all their tracks at their individual houses, and you know. It basically, when I got it back, we took everything out of it that we had done, except for my vocals. <laughs> and it was sounded amazing. <laughs> and then we just started putting little things back in. And so it ended up being very much about them. And we transferred it to tape so it would feel like the rest of the record, you know, and mix it to tape. And, yeah, they're, they're amazing. I mean, all three of those women are something else, you know.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's cool. I haven't heard the uh, the Michelle Malone and Warren Treaty. I want to see that. I I love both those artists. I had Michelle on the show a couple years ago.
1: Oh, cool. It's it's. I think I put it. I think it's on Spotify. I'll have to look to remember if I because I was gonna do a waterfall, you know, and have all because we did like five different versions of it, trying to figure out what the best place for the song was, you know. Yeah. When we were like working through our hosting, so I'll see if I have put it up get it up
0: there? Yeah, yeah, I'll search it up for sure. And Warren Treaty, those guys. Oh my god, I saw them uh, last year at a, a festival near where I live, and uh, it was a bunch of hippies. It's kind of a bluegrassy kind of festival, and uh, they took yeah. they took all the hippies to church, man. It was amazing. Just watching their their stage presence and the crowd reaction. You know, they, those guys kill it live. It's so good.
1: Yeah, they're they're amazing. Emily and I played with them a lot, and we heard them. God, I read some kind of article about them and I called Emily and I was like, because I checked out their music and I was like, God, we got to get these, see if we can get these guys to play with us. They're amazing. And so we did, it was early on mm. when they first started and um, man, they blew my mind. I mean, I'm so into what they do and they're just really good people as well, you know? So yeah, yeah. yeah any chance I can see them, I always do
0: that's awesome all right well another uh artist that i really love is hc mcintyre and uh you did the duet um with uh with with muscadine and i'd I'd love to hear you um talk about that song and uh i want to know more about the dog in the story it's a a compelling character yeah
1: Yeah. that dog uh was a dog named sawyer he was a little chow mix and um got he came from the streets of atlanta when i got him he was couldn't even look me in the eye, he was so abused. And he lived to be seventeen and he he turned out to be this amazing dog that just really just would go along with you and do whatever you were doing and never cause any trouble, you know, and, and before he died, he had gone deaf and blind. And he kept he just still went on all my walks. I have seven dogs and at that time I had I think I had five at that time and he was one of them and he would just go on the walks and you know he would run into trees and you know trip into gullies or whatever but he would just keep keep on going really great attitude and so I kind of wrote the song about that sort of unconditional love that he had for life and for me and loyalty and the way that you can learn from a dog you know like how to what love really is and I w- it was kind of a love song for someone, for a person, too. And just kind of wishing I could be more like that kind of dog, you know, where you just take things in stride and you don't, you're not always looking for what's better, you know, or trying to have what you can't. You just work with what you have. So it really is about that. And and Heather A. C. McIntyre, she's, she is, one of my very, very, very favorite artists, and I've I've been doing stuff with her since she was in a punk rock band called Bella Fea a long time ago. She I was on tour with my punk bands, and she wrote me and said, you know, I can I open some shows. I'm like she was really young. She's like I I'll work my I'll work my ass off and I'll promote the shows and I'll do everything I can do to get people there. And and I was like, yeah, yeah, you can. <laughs> And because I was, you know, small, it was, we were all in a small time sort of community DIY world of that, you know, and she's like one of the only artists that I've ever played with that actually does all that stuff that she says she's going to. It's amazing. Like, she's just such a hard worker, but she's also like incredibly gifted as a songwriter and musician and just constantly reinventing herself and exploring new avenues. And so, and I love her voice like I love her voice, so I always ask her to do duets with me on on any record I make she did a on my first country record I actually had her sing a song of her own <laughs> and I just backed her up on my record and it's called uh when you come For me it's a classic song it's one of the best songs she's ever written and we just backed her up singing it and I featured it on the record and then I just sung back up to her And then on my second country record, I can't remember what she did on that one. Something. Oh, she did a a song called more pills on that one. Um, Oh no, that was on the first record. That's right. I can't remember what she did on the second one, but anyway, she's always done stuff with us and we always play with her and, you know, I love her music. So that's, that's, you know, I, that one was, there were three during the pandemic. It was Muscadine, Garrett down. And, um, Chuckle's Widow, and that, Muscadine, was one of the pandemic songs, and I just sent it to her at her studio she works at, and that was another one that we transferred to tape. and, um, you know, we just, she just kind of, I mean, she really made up all that, we told her to do something that sort of was, (laughs) for lack of a better reference, we were just like, can you do like a Bee Gees type thing, because we like the Bee Gees. And she
0: totally did
1: it. <laughs> nice. You know, it
0: was great. Yeah. Yeah. She's a great songwriter. I, I, um, I think that the album was called Lionheart. She had a song called Red Silo and, uh, I played that. Oh, I played it on yeah. my radio show all the time. I love that song. It's, it's ba- And yeah. her, her voice is so laid back and chill and cool. And yeah, she's great.
1: Yeah. Well, her recent to every acre is, um, gosh, it's incredible actually. It's an incredible record. She's gotten old. She's got a lot. of. she's, got a lot of good records
0: now yeah that's great well one other song I wanted to chat with you about on the uh, the album that came out before holler um, was Jesus was a walking man um what a great song this is but the but the lyrics and the upbeat you know kind of feel to it and whatnot um, I, wh- where did that one come from
1: it came from the just the political situation you know and I was thinking I wanted to write like a gospel song that was from the perspective of like that old idea of like what would Jesus do? You know, and I have in my town, we have a, like a festival every year. And in the festival, we have a gospel tent and you can come play. People come and sit in at the gospel tent. And I had done another gospel song like the year before. And I was like, I want to write a song about the border. So I can go sing at the gospel tent because, you know, I mean, I understand that. I understand that we have to have a system. And we need to figure out a way to do this in a way that makes sense like i'm down with that but i'm not down with all the racism and and like closed, you know just the idea that we would be so unwelcoming when we really have so many resources you know and i know i I don't live in a border town so i can't speak from experience you know but i do live in a in a state where you know, the big farms and the pecan, that workforce that is willing to come over and do this work. And when Georgia is, you know, clamping down on immigration and, and arresting people and doing, you know, ICE is doing their roadblocks and all the things they do, the chicken poultry industry suppers and it's like, Because the workers have to work in a way that is so off the record, they also suffer from mistreatment and work injuries and not, you know, being paid enough and not, and they're never safe and they're never stable. And it's like, I feel like we have the, we're in, like, we want want to have our cake and eat it too. You know, we want to get all the work done. We don't have the workforce so we want people to come over and do it, but we want them to do it secretly and then we want them to like go back you know, where they came from. And we don't want the messiness of, like, how you really make it all work and make the dysfunctional family work. And this song is just really more of an innocent perspective of, like, look, the bottom line is, if you're going to talk about, like, Christianity and profess all this, like, you know, do-good Christian stuff that the right Christian evangelists talk about, you also have to be open and really treat your neighbor as yourself, like that's the gospel. So that's what the song is about, basically. Is just saying like, you know, we'll be a better place if we welcome people and, you know, have them included in in whatever our country is in a way that's legal and and welcoming and supported and you know on the books and makes sense and it just would be a better country if we could do that. So that's kind of what it's about. But it's really just like a gospel song to say, you know, think about all the things that you preach about and apply them to the situation, you know?
0: Yeah. That's fantastic. I love it. All right. Well, uh, you're going to be playing at uh, Grass Valley at the Center for Arts on January 19th. And um, I was wondering, uh, what, what what can fans expect at the show? And um, uh, yeah, what kind of usually goes on with the Amy Ray Band?
1: Well, there's seven of us on stage, and everybody in the band, well, with the exception of me, is like an incredible musician. (laughs) And then I'm up there strumming away, singing. You know, Um, I they're just really great players, and really fun to watch is one thing. And every like that's why I'm really always insistent on it being about the band because people that come to see the shows, that's what they. I mean, it is really fun to watch these people play. Um, they're great they're just really fun players and you never know where somebody's gonna go and it kind of is that kind of spontaneous thing. And so it's really fun. And we trade instruments a lot, you know, like everybody knows how to play, you know, the mandolin and there's like four banjo players. <laughs> so we're and two dobro players and pedal steel and keyboards and accordion and fiddle and so all the instruments are being passed around all the time and, and everybody sings harmony. So it's really a musical. I'll say that, and we play songs from all of our country records, and then they know some of the old rock stuff too. So we usually include a few of those. Um, so that's that's what to expect. And then I think Dar, Dar Williams is going to, I think he's going to pull a couple of us up to do some songs with her at the end of first set.
0: That's awesome. All right. Yeah. Cool, cool. Well, if people want to know more about you, find out uh, what's going on in your world and all that kind of stuff. What, what's the best place to look for you online?
1: Really, my website amy-ray.com, and then my Instagram's pretty active, so you can go to there too, which is just amy-ray music.
0: Cool. All right. Well, I appreciate you chatting with me. I think you're one of the greats. I think you're one of America's greatest uh, songwriters, and it's just an absolute honor to uh, to be able to chat with you.
1: Wow, you're really sweet. Thank you. Thanks. Great questions, and thanks for listening to the music so so uh, thoroughly. So that you, I, I don't know. It's cool. It's nice to have somebody ask me who actually listens. So thank you.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah And you got a lot of good. You got a good taste with, with the people that you like.
0: Cool. Oh, thank you. Cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. My wife and I are hoping to make the show. We live in Carson City, and the, it's been super snowy. Oh. So um. Uh, oh. Wow, yeah. if, if there isn't uh, a big storm uh, we're going to be there to see it we're, okay. we're looking forward to seeing it have a good one
1: thank you
0: hey everybody thanks for listening just a quick reminder to follow me on social media instagram facebook and tiktok like and subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to this leave a rating and tell a friend also big thanks to charlie marks for providing the music for the show until next time everybody have a good one